Hello, adventurer. Come and have a seat at our table as we welcome you to another episode of Discussions and Dragons, the podcast where my brother and I take an in-depth look at the world of 5e and all things Dungeons and Dragons. Opening and closing music credit to Will Savino at patreon.com slash musicd20. I'm Britton. And I'm Jaren. And this week, we are discussing how to improve as a DM and as a player from the opposite respective roles. Now, I think we may have touched on this just a little bit in the past. I think this might be uh, something that we are revisiting, actually. But, you know, in the past year or so, uh, we've learned a lot. We've played a lot of games together, um, or a lot of sessions of a singular game together. So what have, what have you learned, or what have you noticed that you would like to impart uh, as opinionated wisdom onto players? Is how you think as a DM they could possibly improve? Yeah, I've been really looking forward to this specific topic because I have, I've run a lot of D&D in the last uh, year and specifically in the last two years since COVID hit and I have different ideas of uh, what players can do to improve at the table. And this is, I'll, I will admit, this is solely based on the way that I prep and run D&D that I noticed that, oh yeah, players could do X in order to be more interactive with the world. So it is, it is entirely just based on the way that I run D and D, so take that uh, with with a grain of salt. I think is the phrase. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> so first, I will I will say, uh, and uh, like Britton mentioned, we did have an episode on this in the past, and we've learned a lot and, and have different opinions uh, a year later or so. Uh, so my first point that I wanted to mention is come with something that your character wants to do. Show up each session with something that your character wants to do, and this could be something super small or it could be as big as uh you know long term uh my character wants to track down the staff of infinite power you know uh or something as small as they just want to have a conversation with another character or another npc and ask them about this uh this weird you know they're kind of acting out of character and i want to ask them why why they're acting kind of weird um or it could be Hey, I know that us as a group, we're approaching uh, a heist and I, there's some specific supplies that I want to purchase. I want to get extra rope and some ball bearings and I want to get some pythons and I want to get uh, a grappling hook because I have a specific idea of how to tackle that. So coming with something specific, uh, the reason that I, I mentioned that is because it helps the DM to kind of uh, weave the narrative that they're, that they're trying to, to do around those things that you're doing. I've got, uh, you know, as, as the DM, I've got a list of a bunch of information that I'm trying to impart over the course of a session that helps progress the narrative. You know, in the way that I prep, we call them secrets and clues. It's a list of tiny, like, single-sentence fragments of information that I'm trying to sprinkle in as it seems appropriate. And if you're coming with something specific that your character wants to do, that's more opportunities for me to do it in a way that seems a lot more natural and it feels like your character is discovering this stuff. And it helps, uh, you know, makes you a bit more of an active player to come with something that they want to do, you know? Yeah, I I know that um, I've been trying to do this a little bit more, especially in the, the rhyme game, because there's we've got four players, and I know that's not a lot, but we've got four very dynamic and different characters that all have, you know, the common goal of, let's save 10 towns, but we also have very specific reasons as to why we want to do that. And those motivations inspire us to care about different things in this campaign. So I would 100% agree that um, I feel like players sometimes have this attitude of, well, my DM will tell me what to do, 
or my DM will present the story. You know, we, we touch on this a lot where we say that this is a group effort. This is collaborative storytelling with the DM and the players. So as much as work as the DM is putting into preparing for the session, I think it is the player's responsibility, I would 100% agree, to bring what they want to do to the table rather than, I guess, yeah, making those you, assessments in the moment. Being able to take just, the initiative. You can just show up and you know wait for the narrative to present itself, but it's way more interesting and fun to sprinkle your own thing that you want to do uh, and be an, be an active player at the table. And we you know it's a, it was a point that we touched on in in the first uh, the first time we tackled this topic. So yeah, I, I think that's I, I want to keep it concise. I don't want to run that that topic into the ground that that specific point into the ground. I think you kind of get it. Uh, just come with something that your character wants to do. Good example. I I've uh, my own game that I'm playing in tomorrow night, and my character because we had a missing player last week. I wasn't able to do this in that particular session, so I was like, well, we're gonna do this next time. One of our one of the NPCs that's traveling with us is very brutally honest, except for this one particular thing that she, for some reason, physically cannot talk about, and I've been really trying to pry and figure out what that is. I also know that our player that was missing last week is playing a soul knife, or a soul blade, I don't remember what the subclass is, but the rogue, the rogue that has all that psychic ability, and I know that she can make that psychic connection and talk to people, tell, uh, telepathically. So my character next session, once our player is back in, definitely is going to ask, hey, would you be willing to do that, make that connection with this character and see if they can tell you what the thing is in your mind? You know, so that's one specific thing that my character is going to do next session. I don't know how it's going to impact the session as a whole, but it's just something that I'm bringing. Mm -hmm. My next point for improving as a player, my, my, my other two points, they're, they're kind of similar but I'll keep them separate because there might be some uh, separate and specific things to, to note on there, um, is just to talk to NPCs. Go and ask stuff of NPCs in the world, and not just the NPCs that your DM gives you. Um, go go grab townsfolks off the street. Go ask other patrons in the tavern. Um, go and, and seek out the mayor of the town and ask him some information. As I mentioned in the last uh, point, I've got a list of information a list of secrets and clues that I'm trying to interject and to progress the narrative and to, to help you guys, I don't know, solve the puzzle, I guess, is a good way to say it. Um, and the more you interact with, the more people you talk to, the more things you investigate, the more opportunities I have to interject those secrets and clues and build the narrative around the things that you do rather than simply present them as I've prepared them. I can do that. I'm happy to do that. But it's more fun if I can weave that into the things that you're doing. So interact with the world. It, I, I think uh, until I ran a bunch of D&D, I didn't quite fully grasp how much I could uh, interact with in the world as a player, what I was really allowed to do. And you can do whatever you want. It's so open, the amount of things that you can interact with and ask about and talk to. There's really no limit. Right. And I, maybe in the, not defense of the player, but I think Maybe some of the apprehension towards that. I, that could be, you know, stabbing in the dark here, but I, I would assume that some apprehension that players have towards that is feeling that they might overwhelm their DM or get the, like, I don't know, or the, I didn't prepare for this, sort of. I want to talk to this, this townsperson. Um, so I guess I can understand as a player not wanting to kind of suck the fun out of, like, oh, shoot, well, now this DM has to make up a a voice or has to 
you make up this entire thing for this one person that I want to ask a question to. So I, I can see the where the apprehension may lie. I don't think DMs would be doing their job if they didn't want players to interact with their world. So it's yeah, it's definitely on the responsibility of the player to make those connections and be a little bit more forthright in speaking with the people that are around them rather than, you know, the DM having to say, all right, well, um, I guess this group of people walks up to you and starts talking and starts giving you all this information. Yeah, we can do that, but it's more fun if, you know, like I said, we're able to do that based on the things that you do. Um, that's our that's our job is to roll with punches and to improvise. And uh, often it's it's NPCs and voices and stuff that we just didn't really prepare for. And that's fine. That's the fun part of it. Um, interestingly, I think last session was one of the first times I really was like, I don't really know uh, here. And it was when I had to start improvising last names. Oh, yeah. Was, For some uh, reason, that was way harder than coming up with like a fantasy first name. I don't know why. And I think there was a, not to get off topic, but I think there was a reason too that we were asking last names and you're just like, I I don't uh, know. It's Smith. <laughs> the last name is Smith. Just start naming colors. And uh, Snow. Um, Johnny Icicle. Yeah, that's 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 the cold, right? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Their last name is Gray Steel. Gray. <laughs> that's a fantasy name. Yeah, it, it's not just a color. It's got to be like, yeah, r you know, red iron or something. It's it's a color plus a metal. Yeah. The formula. Orange bronze. Or yeah, exactly. Alabaster, orange bronze. Yeah. Um, anyways, my last point before we get too goofy here is I'm going to call this one Schrodinger's trap door. Um, and this is the idea that the thing that, you, that you're asking about might not exist until you ask about it. You ever been in a situation where you're in a dungeon and you ask the DM, can I search the walls? I'm looking for secret hidden doors or I'm going to check behind the tapestries to see if there's a, a lever I can pull. Or you're in a, in a dungeon and you say, well, I want to check for traps. Those, those things might not exist until you ask about it. And that idea exists over the entirety of D&D. It's not just exclusive to traps and secret doors. For example, if you're out in the middle of uh, the wilderness and your party's taking a long rest and you're getting ready to do your nightly watch and you say, well, I want to, uh, you know, before we all go to bed, let me, can I search around and see if there's, you know, some some foliage that I can chop down and make a little makeshift, uh, you know, overhang. You said it's going to rain. Can I kind of do this um, and kind of do, you know, Survivor Man? That stuff, you know, it's just one example, but that might not exist in the DM's mind until you ask about it. Um, you're in a town and you say, well, is there is there a shop that sells magic items? Um, well, maybe not in this one, but since you asked about it, there might be some in the next town over, which is way more, it's, it's a lot bigger of a town. So this idea of it might not exist until you ask about it exists all over the place. And it kind of ties into, you know, the other topics that I, I mentioned here of uh, coming with something that you want to do and asking NPCs about anything. This, uh, I, I have a list of things that I've prepared. Uh, often it's way more fun if my players ask about something and I go, well, now that thing exists now that you asked about it. Um, last time you guys tracked down uh, a guard in another part of Bryn Shander and there were some taverns that I had to come up with because you were asking about it. And it turned out to be a really fun and interesting session. 90% of that session I did not have prepared and it was it was just because you asked about it that I had to roll with it. So yeah, that, well, that's Schrodinger's trapdoor. The idea that things don't exist until you ask about it, so ask about it. 
Yeah, I, I I really love the idea of of Schrodinger's trap door. I think it's it allows for both the player to be curious about the world as much as the DM doing a yes and moment. Especially if you're, you know, bedding down for the night and well, I noticed that we're having a little bit of, of trouble um, keeping ourselves alive on the battlefield. Uh, can I possibly look for some medicinal berries? I know that I'm pretty good in survival. I've, I've lived outside most of my life and I've had to take care of myself. Can I, can I look for those? Well, you're in a forest, so I guess, sure, go ahead. Roll for it. Go ahead and roll for it. It's, yeah, it, the, the idea that it doesn't exist until it does is, is pretty interesting in terms of, of D&D, mostly because we, as players, tend to think about, well, the DM already has everything planned, has everything um, kind of put forward, what does and does not exist. But I like that it may not exist until you ask for it. Um, another example before we move on to um, improving as a DM from the player's perspective, I'll give this as a final example, it was when our Sunday group was trying to break into a castle to confront these cult leaders and they were investigating the outside of the castle, looking for alternative entrances. Um, just running it as is, the front door is the entrance. But since you're asking about, hey, is there any like secret back doors? Well, suddenly there's a cellar door. Then you entered in through the cellar, and now you're doing a you know a break-in and emerging behind the stairs inside the castle itself. That didn't exist. It started the session, and you asked about it, and now it does. When it was really fun and interesting, it was a different way that we went because that's what you guys wanted to do, and I thought that was interesting and fun. And disclaimer, not everything exists if you ask about it. It's not like just because you ask, I'm going to suddenly make it happen. But the reverse is true. If you don't ask for it, it definitely does not exist. Right. Side note, the smile on my face right now, I literally thought that we just had a really good perception and we found that cellar door buried in snow. Did not realize that it was not oh, something no. that existed. <laughs> nope, it didn't exist. <laughs> Perfect. But it went, but it turned out really cool. Let's flip it over to you now. What are some ways that you think that DMs can prove from the perspective of you sitting behind the player's seat? Yeah. What do you want to see from your DMs? So I, I want to preface this by saying that I am trying my hardest to not sound condescending or uh, patronizing because I... Again, I am a player. These are the things that I've noticed other DMs talk about. I've had several different DMs in the past, uh, you know, year or two, and I've gotten to know a couple different DM styles and talking with them. So I feel as a player, I think these are a couple blanket things that I think all DMs could take into account to improve their games. Now, the first, and again, not patronizing, the first is confidence. Honestly, just confidence. The more confident you are in your game, the more excited your players are to show up for said game. Your players are showing up every week out of love for your game, not because of obligation. You would be able to tell. And also, generally, we're all adults, so I don't think that someone would show up to something if they really didn't want to. I think something that DMs kind of fall into is this, you know, self-doubt of, well, my world's not interesting, my players are just showing up, they're not really engaging. Um, sometimes it may be true, sometimes players are just not having a great time. And that's not the DM's fault. That is the responsibility of the player to make themselves have a good time. And if they're not having a good time, communicate that, number one. So I guess I'm 
also admonishing players a little bit here in this kind of something about DMs. But confidence is key. I think more DMs should be confident in their work because players show up every week, and that is a testament to how much fun they're having. Yeah, I, I would agree. Like, be excited about the story that you're bringing and the, the world that you're bringing, and um, the fact that you get to tell. You know, we're playing D and D every week. We're we're creating a story from nothing, and that's a lot of fun to do collaboratively. You're you're, you know, doing this alongside of people, not you know from. Uh, you know, an opposite side. There's no opposition here. Right. You are enough. That's, you know, it's, it's kind of my next point, but I want to segue into it really quickly because these two are kind of related. Don't try to be the DMs that you see in media. Strive to be as knowledgeable and flexible as them, but don't try to be them. Take the things that you like about them, you know, how much they know about the game how many funny voices they can do in, you know, a 30-second span when you're talking to a crowd of people. But you and your game are enough. There is a reason that people show up to your game. We're not trying to play with the Brennan Lee Mulligans, with the Matt Mercers. Yes, they're great. We like to watch them. But at the end of the day, they are entertainers. They are putting on a show for their friends and for their audience. Us, who are sticking on Discord at, you know, 7 p.m. on a Sunday night to roll our dice and play Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. We are doing that because of how much fun we're having, not because we're sitting there waiting to critique you. I, I don't think uh, there is a player that's doing that unless they are some sort of sociopath that does not care. But I would say 99.9% .9 players are not sitting there critiquing your DM style. They want to have fun just as much as the DM wants to have fun and their players to have fun. So I guess my first two points, confidence is key and you are enough. Your, your DMing is A-OK. -okay. We are showing up for you. Once you really uh, gain confidence in, and you don't even need to be like really good at DMing to gain confidence, just the fact that this is, this is your game that you're running and you're excited about the story, um, you won't care that you're not Matt Mercer. You know, we can be inspired by that stuff and learn from it for sure. But what you bring to the table is different, and it, that's why your players are coming to your game. So once once you kind of gain a, uh, you know a handle of that, it doesn't matter that you're not the Brennan Lee Mulligan and Matt Mercer. You're you know your game is your game, and that's that's the game that you're proud of. Exactly, a hundred percent. Now. Here I was gassing up DMs. Here is the one thing that I will also say that I've noticed a lot that I as a player would like to sternly say to DMs, your players are not your opponents. This is an easy, such an easy pitfall to succumb to, especially in combat. You can think of combat as another puzzle if you want. You effectively want your players to solve the puzzle, but now your puzzle can fight back. You know, your players are not your opponents. You are not trying to vanquish them unless that's the game type you are running and you are, you know, running a high death, high risk game, which totally fine. I'm speaking in broad, general D&D, high fantasy. We are here to slay the dragon and take the gold and, you know, make the, make the townspeople happy sort of campaign. You are not fighting against your players. You are setting up challenges for them to overcome. You effectively want them to overcome the challenges, so I would assume that you might want to have that same sort of mentality when it comes to dungeons and 
dragons, effectively. You know, the, the dungeons that you crawl through, the puzzles that you do should be overcome by your party, as well as the creatures that you put in front of them. Yes, you want to pose a challenge, but it should not feel as if you are actively fighting against your party. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I will say uh, it can be a challenge to find that balance between difficult but achievable encounters and encounters that are just far too easy, right? I think if, you know, I, I don't think anybody really starts out. I, I would hope that anyways. We don't really start out by thinking, well, I'm specifically trying to TPK the party every time. That's kind of a bad attitude to have. Uh, but it can certainly, you know, if you if you throw enough encounters that are just walks in the park, you start to kind of doubt, am I being too easy? Maybe I need to up the difficulty here. Um, and it almost feels like if you if you don't push that line, it's almost like a failure. Like, oh, I haven't been challenging the players enough because they're just smoking every encounter. And, uh, you know, they're getting bored because these things are too easy. So I need to make it harder because they're level six and seven now. So we've got to ride that line of almost a TPK because that's, you know, they've been just been killing everything in the first round. And that means I failed as a DM. It's not necessarily the case, but I will just wanted to point that out that um, it's it can be a tricky line to ride of, of you know, there's a whole other topic of encounter balance, but whole other it, it's tricky, I'll say. Yeah. And and again, I don't want to, you know, I'm trying not to admonish, but I think that with those kind of tricky lines that you ride as a DM, that's why the pitfall is so easy. It is so easy to let yourself succumb to, well, I need to challenge them. And then from I need to challenge them is I need to beat them. So it's it's not about winning or losing. It's about everybody winning together. Yeah, I wouldn't consider a TPK as a, as a victory. Oh my god. I, that that is a DM that nobody wants to play with. Like if it happens, it happens. But you know, I wouldn't be happy about it. Right. We're I'm not, not specifically trying to TPK a, a group of people. Yeah. Um. And uh, you know, something I want to point out too this this idea of uh, adversarial DMs uh, extends beyond combat too. It's you know, in, in your narrative stuff, you can be combative or uh, you know, taking away that powerful magic item because you think it gives them too much power. Just as an example. And I'm not trying to give specifics. I'm not trying to call any specific person or, or action. Um, so I'm speaking really vaguely and generally, but I think you get the idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... I've had my fair share of conversations that should not have gone as awry as they did, but it was clear that it was a, it was a topic that the DM wanted to be done with, and their uh, NPC became very hostile and very combative and shut down the conversation and... That bit of narrative was over. So it was the opposite of a yes and. Yes, it was a absolutely not. <laughs> but it was a no and no follow up questions. Exactly, and no, and I will not be taking questions. Yeah. But so moving on, um, my last two points. Uh, first one is pretty short. Uh, we're going to touch on this in a in a future episode. But I think that uh, more DMs may want to be cognizant of the different player types. Um, and when I when I say player types, I you know for example. The um, the backseat, uh, you know, a player that doesn't really want to do much other than show up, roll some dice, have a good time, have their funny voice, and then, you know, log off for the evening or, you know, leave the DM's house for the evening or whomever is hosting. Um, the min-maxer that all they want to do is be a, you know, a block of stats that does the really cool thing and they maximize their damage or skill level. Um, or the, the RP only that is like 
I don't really care about combat. I will, I will show up and I will do my part, but I want to have these compelling and very dramatic monologue and dialogue moments with my character that reveals deep, personal, and rooted issues with the character. So I think DMs just being cognizant of their players and not treating all players the same in terms of playstyle. And I don't think that you should have to feel pressured to cater an experience, but at least be aware that, you know, I, I think we've got a, a non-RPer, or at least a RP-less person that we've played with in the past where, all right, well, the crying person who is screaming about their lost child, maybe the DM does not direct them to the player that doesn't want to RP. Maybe it's, let's have them talk to this person in the party. Little things like that that makes each player feel like their comfort level is being respected. Yeah, and th- I definitely agree. There's, but that you you likely won't know those who is is of what type until you've played for you know with that group for a little bit. Um, those types kind of emerge over time, and it's sort of like personality types where probably nobody is exclusively one or the other. Yeah, they're all, they're kind of a, a blend of at least two, probably. Yeah, for sure. It's you're not going to be the the min maxer forever, or you know the RP only. But it's you'll you'll start to notice. Like you said, these personality types that will blossom and flourish and wilt away um, over time. But just you know, be aware. Just have you know, have some awareness about this um, because it can really make a player feel a lot more welcome when their comfort level is being respected in terms of how much they want to engage with the story. Now, the last thing um, that I will say, and I only waited for this to be the last because I know it can be an unpopular or controversial opinion. I personally feel that DMs could benefit from having an openness, not necessarily an acceptance and adherence, but an openness to players' homebrew ideas or things that they have brought in from other game experiences. And I only say this because I feel sometimes DMs can get into a groove of, this is my story, these are how I run campaigns, this is the only way that I want to play. And I feel like to perfect your play style is a beautiful thing because it becomes a wonderfully operating machine because you are comfortable in it. I do feel that that limits your experience in terms of D&D. It limits your player experience to your own very specified, unique brand of game. And I think that allowing your players to bring ideas and bring homebrew, and it doesn't even have to be adhered to or like instituted into your game. It could be, can we try this? I, I found this rule and I thought it was really kind of interesting. Can we try it for a couple sessions? Can we try it for a couple rounds of combat to see if this works for me? And if not, we don't have to keep it. But if we do, can we? Um, I, I think that the idea that the DM is the law is a little old-fashioned, I will say. I think with the the amount of homebrew that has been produced by, you know, social media, like we'll say Reddit, you know, D&D Twitter, D&D TikTok even, oh my gosh, there are some really good and knowledgeable players and DMs out there that have fun ideas. So I, I, I know as a DM, this may sound a little weird coming from a player saying, please, oh please, can we instill this homebrew idea? But I think at least having an openness, allowing your players to bring things and try things is a much better experience than, oh man, 
I had this really good time at this game. Um, my DM shot down every single idea that I had. We <laughs> stuck exactly to rules as written, and we never strayed once. We had a perfect game. Like, that's, that's just very highly unrealistic. Yeah, I, I think if you're going to say no to an idea, at least have a good reason to do it. Yeah. You know, may, maybe, well, even if it's like, hey, that sounds like a great idea, but that would contradict or, or conflict with some stuff that I've got planned later on. Because of the narrative, I can't really tell you why, but just trust me. You know, even that is much better than simply saying no. Yeah. I mean, I, I've had a couple experiences where um, that's happened to me, where it's just been like a no, and it's, well, why? Because I don't want it. Okay, well, have you ever had it before? No, but I don't want it. Okay, well, it makes me feel very limited as a player. It makes me feel like my input is not validated or wanted. So I'm going to start suggesting things less. Yeah, yeah. Another another point where if, if you're going to turn down something like that, have a good reason why. So at least your players understand the parameters. Uh, no, I don't want to allow that thing because I think the the area of effect of the damage is kind of absurd or whatever it is it, it, because uh, it's too strong and I'm trying to, uh, you know, not have combat be over in a single round because that magic staff does, you know, 8d6. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, so at least then players understand and, you know, if they want to suggest other things like, well, let's make sure that if I'm bringing stuff to suggest, it's like stuff that's within the realm of, you know, what might be allowed. I don't know, but I, I I agree. Just be open to suggestions from the players. They're you know they're they're there to add to the story as well. And uh, as much as yes, DM, you are a player at the table too. Your fun matters. Your players' fun matters too. Yeah, one hundred percent. It is again. I'm gonna we're gonna say this probably throughout the entire season, probably throughout the entire show. It is collaborative storytelling. We are all trying to have a good time together. That's the reason why we show up every week. We're all trying to have fun and tell a story. 100%. All right. Well, that is our show this week. Thank you so much for stopping by. And if you liked this episode, please check out our future episodes, which are released every other Wednesday at 12 p.m. Central. Next episode, we will be reviewing and discussing the main player types that you may encounter at your table. Also, if you'd like to join us for a conversation or talk about other D&D-related content, we do have a link to our Discord in this episode description. This has been Discussions and Dragons. I'm Britton. And I'm Jaren. See you next time. <laughs>